season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. To the JKR podcast today with Indiana native, former Indiana Bulls third baseman, and 2023 Indiana State signee. We got Carter Murphy on the JKR pod- podcast. Carter, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm excited. This is I've seen a lot of the stuff on Instagram, and I've watched a few of them, and I'm pretty excited to do this. Awesome. Well, I'm pumped to get you here on the show. Uh, but before we dig into your baseball career a little bit, I have one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Carter Murphy? I would introduce myself as pretty much Carter Murphy, the kid that played with Max Clark and Andrew Wiggins on that Bulls national team. Okay, <laughs> there we go. So, I mean, talking about the Bulls, I mean, I, I was planning on digging into something else first, but let's just dig right into the Bulls a little bit. So how did you get connected with those Indiana Bulls? And then we can kind of go through your travel ball career as well. So when I was 14, I was cut from a travel team that I tried out for. And that really pushed me to work harder than I ever had before because I was never serious up to that. And that's why I got cut. So that year, year and a half, I worked so hard and I got to where I went to a PBR showcase my eighth grade going into freshman year. And luckily, one or the president used to be the president noticed me at the showcase and he pretty much told me to come to the tryout, came to the tryout, had one of my best rounds of BP and that's pretty much it from there okay so from the so did you play for a prior travel ball team before that tryout before going to the bulls um yes they were called the southern indiana legends and i tried out for there was another team around there that was a lot better and i tried out for them and i made the b team and it really didn't sit well i'd never been cut and i think that's what shit has really shaped my career and for me, just because that's it, it's always in the back of my head getting cut like that. Yeah. So how did you how did you make that? Well, so obviously you said that that really shaking up your career. You're like, all right, well, there's kind of my you know internal motivation to go get better, yeah. go take baseball serious. Um. So you know the president. You said the president of the Indiana Bulls or the president of PBR. So uh, you- the pre- the president or one of the advisors saw me of the Bulls. Okay. And my high school coach actually got me into the showcase at PBR and then the Indiana Bulls guys saw me at the showcase and invited me to their tryout. Okay. So you go to that Indiana Bulls tryout. Are you directly on the Indiana Bulls black after that tryout or do you start off, start off, you know, for Bulls white or how exact did that all play out? So he invited me to the, the Bulls guy invited me to the trial. I had the best trial of my life and there's always callbacks. So I was waiting, you know, the guys that get picked for the team, they get, Hey, you want to, 
we want you to come back tomorrow. We're going to have like a game or what. And I didn't get that. And when I didn't get that, I was pretty upset. So I was on the way home and the guy calls my dad. I was actually asleep in the passenger seat and I wake up and he's on the phone with my dad and my dad's got a huge smile on his face and he looks over and he goes, you made bulls black. I was like, there's no way. And I was, that was one of the happiest moments of my life. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. So you end up playing for Bulls Black there for a couple seasons, you know, playing with mm-hmm. you know, Max Clark, Andrew Wiggins. Um, some of, I mean, there's obviously a bunch of players on that Bulls Black team yeah. who are going to, you know, other Division One schools as well. But you play for mm-hmm. the Bulls Black team for a couple of years. And then your senior season, or I guess whatever, however you would consider it, last summer they create Bulls, Bulls National. So what was yeah. that process going from Bulls Black to Bulls National? Kind of, you know, was there another tryout process or what did that look like? going from black to national? So I played two years with just the normal black team and it was awesome. I mean, it was really great. The friendships I made, but that transfer from Bulls black to Bulls national was, there wasn't really a tryout. We just pretty much and went and got as many kids that we possibly could that, were the best that we could find. And Max did a really good job of that because he's got a lot of connections. But he and the coaches did a really good job of recruiting almost those kids on our team. So we didn't really have a tryout, I would say. We did for the kids in state, but the coach told us prior, the kids that were already on the team from the Bulls Black that we were on it and we didn't have to go, but that was for the other kids that they were thinking about that were in the state. So it was, it was a pretty awesome transfer. I mean, our team went from that good to that much better. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, you go through the 2020, 2022 summer, you know, so much mm-hmm. media attention is on the Indiana yeah. national team. I mean, it's the first time it's a national, it's the first time that the Bulls are national team, you know, Max Clark, who has, you know, what is it like 200,000 Instagram followers projected to be a top five like pick. Wiggins, Boston Flannery, yourself, Matt Santana, all you different players. Take us through this past summer, just what that experience was like, you know, going from tournament to tournament, going to that team USA tournament as well. Just take us through this past summer. So this past summer was one to remember for sure. It was really awesome. Just the publicity we got. And, you know, when you're a kid growing up, you like your mom posts that video on YouTube of you hitting and you really get to watch yourself on YouTube hitting and with like the youth prospects and just the guys that would cover our games. And it was pretty awesome. And I really noticed it when I got back home from that long summer of traveling that mo- all the people around my town knew, like they knew me because they watched this. They saw, Oh, Max Clark, I see him from Indiana. And they're like, Oh, shoot. That kid's from West Vigo. Like he's, he goes to my high school. It's pretty cool. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. So you talk about all the different bonds that you built, you know, with players on the Indiana Bulls black team, or I mean, Indiana Bulls in general, so who are some of those players that you've bonded with the most or just built those biggest relationships with um, from the Bulls Black or even from this past summer when you guys added a couple of players from across the country? So having – I made – I mean, some of the kids that were on the Bulls Black and unfortunately didn't make the national team, I still am friends with. But uh, 
I would have to say one of my better fr- best friends on that team was Drake Bowen, the football player. Yeah. But he, me and him would we'd room together and stuff. He was he was probably my closest one, but I'd always been friend with the originals like Andrew and Max. They've always been real close and but to get to be friends with the Boston Flannery from New York and uh Purify, just those kids from out of state, it was pretty cool seeing how much different their high school seasons are and it was pretty awesome. Yeah. So when when the Bulls created that national team, did the original because I know the Indiana Bulls the way they're set up is, you know, parents can't coach after high school like they're set coaches for each age level was the you know original bulls black 17 u coach did he become the national team coach or who was that coach and then what are some of the relationships you have with some of the uh co- players i'm oh, sorry what are some of those relationships you have with the indiana bulls coaching staff so our 17 u coach became automatically our national coach he, we all loved him. We all wanted him to be our coach. That was it. Was kind of on us, in a sense. They asked us our opinion, and we all wanted to stick with him. He's a great guy. He's a coach. He coaches uh, Western High School in Indiana. He's a really good guy, a good coach. And uh, we had a few other guys. Um, we had a pitching coach who was awesome. Awesome. And he pitched a few years in the pros, and it was pretty cool to see how he worked with the pitchers, even though I didn't really know what they were talking about most of the time. <laughs> but uh, it was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I had a, I still have a good relationship with Berryman, who is the head coach, because we, we are in the same division, and he always asks me for tips on who we play, and he sends me some when I ask him. You know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So over these past couple of years, you know, with the 2022 class, your class in 2023, the 24-25 class, which is also loaded as well. I mean, the Indiana Bulls, they pretty much became, you know, a national name when you're, you know, if you're a fan going to the WWBA, Lake Point, whatever, you're like, okay, where are the Indiana Bulls playing at? So, I mean, the, the coaching staff has done a great job these past couple of seasons. But with you being an insider, what do you think has led to the success of the Indiana Bulls? Um. I would say the amount of care they put into the kids. And I think that's what brings those high level names like Max and Andrew, who could easily go play on the Canes national and go travel across the country and be put everywhere on social media. But you can't beat the way they treat you like they did to me. So that's really what I noticed Yeah, for me. You talk about social media, talk about media. I know you said, you know, you saw yourself on youth prospects, all American yeah. prospects, like probably black Cobra media and all those, you know, big mm-hmm. time base travel baseball media companies. What was that like the first time you saw yourself on YouTube? What were you kind of thinking? Like, how cool was that to see yourself on YouTube? Uh, it, like I said, it's like, it's like you're a little kid again, like, you show all your friends when you're in third grade, like, Hey, look, my mom posts this video on YouTube. Well, now I'm in high school and I'm like this, get this YouTube channel that has a hundred thousands of followers just posted a video of me and my team in a prestigious tournament. It's pretty cool. It's I, I can't even really put it into words. It's like mm-hmm. a dream come true almost. 
I'm sure. So looking back into your travel baseball career, obviously you're a senior head into your senior spring. So you're done with travel baseball, done with the Indiana Bulls when it comes to playing for them. So if you had to look back into just your travel baseball career in general, you know, whether that's for the Bulls or when you're playing for, was it like this, the legends? I can't remember the exact yeah. name. Yes. Uh, but just looking back at your entire career, just, you know, what are some of those just favorite travel baseball memories that come to mind when you're just thinking about travel baseball? So my favorite memories would probably have to be uh, my 16U year when we were in the championship game. We ended up losing, but we made it to the championship game of the national championship for PBR. And that was before we were a national team. And for us to make it that far in that tournament was pretty unheard of. And it was, it was, that was probably one of the coolest moments that and probably getting to spend all that time with all those big names over and getting uh, their two cents on everything. It's really helped me with my career, just seeing how all those other great high school seniors have worked and put it into my own work. So, so with you, obviously you're going to Indiana state, one of the best mid-major schools in the country. I mean, I know you guys are always inconsistent, um, contenders to, you know, to make it to the college world series or to win your guys's conference. But like you mentioned, like your round names, like, you know, Max Clark, who's projected to go first round, Andrew Wiggins, whose name has been thrown around there also in the first round this upcoming summer, when you are around guys like that, how are you kind of picking their brain just in terms of, you know, maybe how, how do I learn from you or how do I watch these type of guys, how they play? Um, even though they are the same age level as you, like, are, are like, are there different ways that you kind of watch them and pick their brain? So, Max, I would really pick his brain about hitting because he's an outfielder and I'm an infielder. But I I really liked watching him hit. Um, it was always pretty impressive. I mean, there's a reason he's going that high. There's a reason. It's uh, it's. I would always ask him questions and I would always ask my buddy Drake because he's insanely athletic. I would always ask him about like the strength and agility training he does to get to where he's at 6'4", 240, still running a 6'7", 60. I mean, that's unheard of. I just – it's – there's different players I would pick brains for different things, but it was all awesome. Yeah. So did Drake play with you guys a lot this summer? Because I know like with him being a two-way player going to Notre Dame for football and baseball, I mean, he, maybe he, he's not able to spend all summer playing baseball across like down south somewhere. So how often was Drake playing for the Bulls national team? So I think he only missed one uh, one tournament for a big time, like All-American seven-on-seven. Okay. But that was that was it. He was there most of the time. I mean, summer's kind of slow for football, like he said, kind of like winter for us. But um, he was there most of the time. Yeah. Um. So you also, I believe, I remember watching this last year through Twitter. You guys went to Team USA for that Team USA tournament, correct? Yes. So yes. what was that experience like? I know I just talked to a coach from the Texas 12, which I believe is the team you guys played in the championship. It and is, yes. They were kind of telling me some stories about that, you know, Team USA tournament and just how, mm-hmm. you know, of, of an amazing experience it was. So through your eyes, playing for the Indiana Bulls, take us through what that day-to-day looked like and just that overall experience. So that was surreal. I mean, the way they treat baseball there is 
pretty cool. They respect the game more than anyone else. Um, we had these special jerseys made with uh, American flags on the front and hats, and it was it was really cool. I mean, getting to play on those fields and the in the stadium, playing the championship game in the stadium, and getting to beat the Canes in the semifinal. That was probably my favorite moment. But we ended up playing them twice, tied them the first time, ended up beating them. But they uh, – that was that was pretty awesome. I mean, like I said, the way they treat baseball, like you can't have your glasses in front of the logo or in front of the American flag. So you had to – I mean, the way that – it's pretty awesome, yeah. So out of all those different travel baseball facilities that you've played at, so obviously down there in North Carolina and Cary, you know, you've been to WWBA or well East Cobb, you've been to Lake Point, mm-hmm. probably been to Hoover as well, and probably some other yeah. different facilities down there down south. But what is your favorite travel baseball facility that you have played at so far? I'm always kind of curious with this question. Um, I would have to say Lake Point myself, just because I always played the best at Lake Point. I um, I always found myself in the best at Lake Point. I played my uh, Futures games at Lake Point. I had one of my best weekends ever. So that that's probably going to be my favorite. Yeah. I actually – I haven't made a trip down to Lake Point yet. I was at East Cobb this past summer, and I was blown away. But then, I, I mean, Lake Point is probably – I get that answer probably four out of the five – times I, I ask it they're like oh well lake point hands down and i know i know pbr does a great job with that type of stuff yeah so i'm excited this next summer this upcoming summer to go down there and watch some guys uh but talking about the futures games i know this past year talking to cromarty jay lee all these mm-hmm. guys who you know committed kind of right after that futures games what was that futures game experience for you so that futures game experience was one of one of my best summer experiences. I know I didn't mention it earlier, but uh, it it's what got me to go to Indiana State. So when I went, we were still kind of on the COVID thing. So coaches weren't allowed to be there, but they had cameras everywhere. So there was probably a hundred coaches on each live stream of each game and uh, just watching. And I ended up running my fastest 60, um, I ended up batting, I think, around 500 that weekend. And I ended up making a slow roller play at third play, third base where I barehanded it and threw it on the run. And uh, my dad got a call after that from Indiana State's coach who coached my dad in college, and they offered me a scholarship. And it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. So being there at Futures game, obviously for the most of the time, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of coaches all over the place, but with COVID there wasn't. Um, Did you kind of, you know, were you still maybe a little nervous or maybe have a little, like maybe a little anxious going out to the field, knowing that there's so many collegiate coaches watching you or how did you kind of go about that uh, mentally? Well, seeing, you know, being committed takes that pressure off of you when you're playing, but I'm not, I'm going to be real with you going out on those Futures games. I was one of the most, being on the like showcase, doing the showcase and all that, that was one of the most nerve wracking moments of my life. It was pretty, I was pretty nervous, but once I got out there, I kind of shook it off, but I'm not going to lie. It was, it was pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. And I mean, that's a common answer when it comes to that futures games. Like there, everyone talks about, you know, how, Oh, like, you know, I was nervous, but then if you kind of just think about it, you're just playing ball, just, you know, block that all out. 
Um, and, you know, a lot of times I'm talking to the players who weren't there in that 2020 or 2021 futures game. So, I mean, it was when, you know, there's hundreds yeah. of college coaches there. Uh, but no, so out of all the different, ter- this is going to be my last travel baseball question. We can go ahead, you know, move into high school, move into the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. But um, out of all these different tournaments that you have played in, you know, going to carry for the big, uh, the, the team USA, WWBA, Lake Point, all these different events, who has been the toughest pitcher? Or you, you might be able to pick a couple because I'm sure it's going to be tough. Who are the couple mm-hmm. toughest pitchers that you have faced so far in your career travel baseball wise? Um, I might not be able to remember, remember their names, but uh, I would have to say the toughest pitcher would be one of the left-hander we faced in the semifinal game against the Canes would have to be one of them. And um, a, probably my buddy Mitchell Dean in live at bats. Okay. I'm where's, not gonna lie. where's Mitchell Dean go to school, uh, like high school at? He goes to Western, so he actually goes to high school where that coach uh, coaches at. So he okay. plays for our travel ball coach. Okay, so does Mitchell – so do you guys play Western in the high school season? Um, we don't, but w- if we make it to regionals, we'll have to play them – or semifinals, semi, semi-state, we'll have to play them there. Okay. I might, I might have to – They are uh, – they've got a pretty insane pitching rotation for a – 3A high school. Yeah. I mean, obviously, anytime you throw a Louisville commit up there as their their number yeah. one, pitcher, I mean, that, that rotation has got to be pretty tough. Uh, but yeah. digging, in, digging into high school ball a little bit. So I actually just realized the West Vigo was actually in Terre Haute. I, for some reason, I'm so I'm from mm-hmm. North Indiana. You know, I always heard the South Bend, Fort yeah. Wayne schools. When I heard of West Vigo or however you say it, for some reason, I was thinking uh-huh. that was like close to Cathedral and like somewhere in the Indianapolis area. <laughs> So as of this morning was when I found out you were actually from Terre Haute, making sense that you're yep. going to Indiana State. But digging yeah. into your high school experience, take us through these past couple of seasons, you know, maybe going through your sophomore, junior season, what that experience was like, how, what the competition level was, and then maybe what the outlook is, you know, going into your senior season. So my freshman year obviously got ruined. We were, we were preseason ranked the number one team in the state. We had a kid named Caleb Hannes who plays at Valparaiso. Now he plays shortstop. He was pretty good. His He was going to be pretty good his senior year. I know it. But uh, we were going to be super good. And for our season to get canceled, it kind of took the wind out of all our sails. And I just felt so bad for those kids. And then we kept working um, for almost two years. I mean, practicing for two years for one season you get to know the kids on your team and you make a bond with them almost even more than before. And you want it even more. So my sophomore season, we only had two seniors on our team and uh, we ended up, I think we only lost six or seven games. And for that to happen after having two seniors losing about seven or eight of them, it was pretty awesome. And then last year, we ended up – we had a pretty awesome senior class. I would say they they really uh, – they really led me. They were great leaders. Uh, our shortstop, who's at Rockhurst now, is a Division two in Kansas. He was uh, one of my best friends. And uh, to be able to play with them on a high school team, it was pretty awesome. We ended up getting cut short by Dukanich and Burbuff. But we ended up winning our sectional – 
Um, but yeah, that was pretty awesome. And going into this season, I think we'll almost be even better, even though we lost a few of our bats, our pitching rotation pretty much stayed the same. So I believe that we're going to be one of the state's top front runners for the three, a division. Yeah. So for you, you know, going into your junior to senior season, how have you maybe stepped up as a leader in that locker room, maybe taking some of the underclass, but underneath your wing, is this kind of a first time for you or even last, you know, being a junior committed to division one school, were you kind of leader already? So my sophomore year, I really kind of like, I was still learning. So I wasn't really that much involved. I was just kind of there with the sophomore that's going to division one and, uh, but my junior year, I think I really stepped up and I started influencing um, that freshman class because our freshman class that year was pretty talented. And I really try and steer them in the right direction. I take pride in myself to keep the winning history here at West Vigo. So for me to be like almost like a fourth coach, um, that's kind of my job being the leader on the team. So, yeah. So I take said, pride in that. So, you know, when you were a sophomore, you said you were still, you know, you were that sophomore division one commit, but you were still learning mm -hmm. how to play that high school game, you know, learning and facing some of these older guys, you know, 17, 18 years old, a couple years older than you might not be division one commits, but they have beards. They're heading to college that next year. If you can yeah. remember just a couple years ago, what that competition level looked like um, as an underclassman facing some older guys compared to, you know, playing travel baseball and, you know, facing guys, the top tier talent of your age group. How would you compare those two the those two levels of the game, and what what did that look like? So, that sophomore year, it was pretty surreal seeing some of the kids that we did play. So, I have an uncle that coaches baseball up in Michigan, and he brought his team who had Luke Lito and uh, another kid who was uh, pitched at ten or went to Tennessee to pitch, and we ended up facing him, who was a senior that year. And I'm three-hole as a sophomore, and I go up there, and he throws me a slider. And I thought it was a fastball because I'd never even seen a slider at that speed. And it was an eye-opener for sure. That was my first experience with, I think, 90-plus. Um, and it was pretty surreal. And I think it really set me up for a good summer that high school season because I ended up having one of my best summers that summer um, in my sophomore year. So. so digging a little bit into your recruiting process, like I said, West Vigo is in Terre Haute, so you aren't too far away from the ISU campus. Uh, but take us through how that recruiting process got started for you. I know you said the IU coach called your dad during the PBR Futures games, but was that the start to your recruiting process, or how exactly did all that get rolling? So – I, my first ever call was from Alabama and I thought that was awesome. And, you know, I'm a freshman in COVID. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going to Alabama, you know, like big division one. And I got caught up in the big name thing. And I kind of caught myself doing that later on. And my dad kind of slowed me down and he was like, we got to think of what's best for you because I – and then I started slowing down and thinking about it, started not getting ahead of myself, and I got a – my first ever offer was actually from the University of Toledo, 
and uh, it actually came in a letter, and I still have that letter, and I always have that letter because that's always going to be awesome to me. Yeah. But uh, I ended up you going to the Futures games, and they ended up offering me. And uh, when my dad's – so, obviously, ISC's right down the road, and they said he said, Indiana State just offered you. And I was like, no way. And I thought that was cooler than anything else just because I had grown up – my grandpa coached at ISU. I grew up watching him, and uh, – my dad played for ISU. My dad played for the head coach or played for the head coach now who's an assistant then. And having them offer me, it was so awesome. And I had not talked to them previous. They had just saw me playing at the Futures games and they offered me. And uh, it was a huge surprise. And I couldn't thank them enough. And obviously I chose them. So uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So looking back into it, so when you said we, when you were playing travel baseball, you know, you get cut, you make that tri- you make that B team from the timeline aspect from where I'm looking at. It looks it sounds like that wasn't too far in advance to when that recruiting process got started for you. So how did you evolve so quickly when it came to, you know, making a travel baseball B team to, you know, now you're talking to an SEC baseball team? What was that evolution and what was that? What did that, what did that timeline look like? So I don't really look at COVID as a bad thing because that COVID really transformed me into a different player. But when I got cut from that uh, 14U team, I I didn't stop crying for, God, I don't know how long. But uh, it was pretty upsetting. And my dad said, you either want it or you don't. And he said, you're going to play on this B team. And you're going to think about it and you're going to think about if you want this or not. And I decided that I want it, wanted it and I went and got it and I worked my butt off. And then I ended up going to a showcase my eighth grade year, the preseason all state. Um, and I ended up having some pretty good numbers. And then I end up like a year later, two year and a half later, I'm ranked sixth in the state and it was it was pretty awesome. I mean, having that transformation and watching it happen and all that hard work pay off, that was probably the highlight of my career as of now, yeah. Yeah. So you talked about how Alabama was that first school that, you know, contacted you and you were kind of caught up in the big name stuff, which obviously Alabama playing in the SEC, I mean, that's a great school, mm-hmm. you know, start your recruiting process off with. But you, you know, being a 14, 15 year old kid talking to Alabama, talking to Alabama, talking to some other division one schools. I mean, what's going through your mind at that point? Because, I mean, you're still three and a half, four years away from college. And I mean, you're talking to college coaches. Yeah. So Take us through what's going on with you mentally at that point. So. My travel ball coach texted me and told me that they wanted to call me and I didn't stop smiling until I got on the call. And about three minutes before I got on that call, I was shaking so nervous, so unbelievably nervous. And I got on the call and the coach was cool. And I uh, stuttered a few times because I didn't know what to say, but uh, it was, it was, I will never forget it the amount of nerves that's probably the most nervous I've ever been just because, I mean, it's my career riding on that line and that, and I had never had a call before. It was a, it was a moment I'll never forget for sure. 
So how like how how many times were you talking to co- collegiate coaches or how many schools were you talking to before that PBR futures game when ISU kind of called you? From the sounds of it, it sounds like you kind of committed, you know, somewhat uh, pretty quickly after you got the ISU offer. But mm-hmm. before that happened, yeah. what was that recruiting process looking like? And maybe what were some of those key things that you were looking in within a coaching staff, university, um, campus? What were some of those key things you were looking at? So my big key parts I was looking at in college is were the coaching staff, of course, <clears throat> and uh, the past excellence. So when I say that, I mean, like, have there been past third baseman or shortstop or infielders? Are they known for getting drafted? And I really took time to look at that. And uh, I looked at Indiana State me and my dad did, and we realized that their past three third basemen and shortstop have been drafted, and I got to know their – he does the infield, his coach Smiley, and I believe he could go coach anywhere he wanted. I think he's the best coach that I've been around ever, and to be able to play for him is a huge honor, him and Hannes both. That was really a huge part of my decision. And, of course, staying home. I thought about going to Alabama, you know, and all those other big schools going down south. And I really just wanted to stay here and play in front of that hometown. There's nothing like that. Having those people that you know in the stands like that, it's pretty awesome to think about. So that was really a huge part of my decision as well. So, you know, going through that recruiting process, deciding between do I go to one of those big schools in the SEC or do I stay home, go to Indiana State, one of those best mid-major schools in the country, when did it finally hit you that you're like, all right, I'm going to Indiana State, I'm staying home to play collegiate baseball? So my dad sat me down. My dad's been a huge part in this whole recruiting process because he's been through it before. Maybe not, obviously not the same because it wasn't nearly the same back then, but he sat me down and he we really thought about what would really be the best fit for me I know everybody talks about the best fit but what the best fit for me what isn't the same for everybody else and uh we really talked about it and talked about the meaning of playing where you wanted to play and it meaning more playing at ISU because my family has tradition almost in that college and uh the meaning playing there means so much more and I'm going to work so much harder to be better playing there than I would anywhere else and all that stuff and being home and that all had a huge part in it so yeah so you know being committed to ISU for you know around two seasons you know you committed your sophomore season all the way up till signing day this past November how did it feel to you know just finally sign those papers make it official how did that feel it was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. I mean, just like anybody else, I mean, knowing like maybe like, oh, maybe they're going to pull my scholarship or no, maybe I didn't play good this weekend. What are they going to do? But knowing that it's finally official and uh, that I have signed the papers and I'm going, it was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders for sure. 
I'm sure. So as you look into these next couple of seasons going to Indiana State, you know, you're probably going, it's January of your senior year of high school. So I'm sure you're probably looking into, okay, what do I study when I, when I get to Indiana State, this and that. Do you kind of have a plan when it comes to, you know, maybe a major or a minor or where's your mindset on that right now? So I want to stay in sports. I'm a big sports guy. I always want to be involved in sports. So I'm probably going to major in sports management. And I think I'm going to get a minor in coaching because right now I give lessons at my dad's. He, he's a part owner at a hitting facility and I give lessons sometimes and help him run camps. And I really enjoy it. And I think I would enjoy being a coach uh, of whatever level. I mean, I think that would, that's kind of my goal right now is to be a high level coach. Yeah. So, so being committed now for a couple, or I guess committed now signed to Indiana State, what are some of those relationships you have with that ISU coaching staff? I know you mentioned Coach Smiley, who you said could probably go coach anywhere um, within the country to go co- coach infielders at the collegiate level. But what are some of those relationships you have and how have they evolved over these past couple of seasons? So the shortstop I mentioned earlier that went to Valpo, his name's Caleb Hannes, and that is ISU's head coach's son. And I was good. He kind of – Caleb took me under his wing, and I was the little freshman, and he took me under his wing, and he was always super nice, led me in the right direction. And I kind of started my relationship off there with Coach Hannes, but I don't think he knew then. Um, but then – I didn't really hear much from him until that Futures games. Like I said, I'd never heard anything from him about the recruiting yet. And then I got that call kind of like out of nowhere. And uh, then the relationship started to bloom. I mean, Hannes doesn't live too far from me. Um, I mean, he comes to most of my high school games um, having him there, watching, having something to play for is always pretty cool too. So, yeah. So when you first committed, obviously that was before September first of your junior season. So how did that converse? How did those that communication kind of change when when it came to before September first of your junior year to after? What was that comparison between the communication? So the comparison would probably be just the having to text my coach and him being like three, five miles down the road and him still having to text my coach to have me uh, call him. And he could, he could just text me and have me call him. It was, it was pretty cool. I mean, having that clarity that I can text him and he can text me. It was, it was pretty cool. And I could uh, communicate with that big of a baseball brain like that. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So with you being an, an Indiana native, being a Terre Haute native, you know, where ISU is at, what are some of the relationships you have with, you know, potentially players who are on the team currently or guys who are assigned to your class or even guys who are maybe younger than you also committed there? Uh, what are some relationships you have and how well connected are you within, you know, guys going to ISU? So, I went to the Futures games with Jace Fowler, who is played with Max Clark at Franklin, and he's at Indiana State now. And 
I know him pretty good. I know uh, a pitcher there. He's a freshman this year who I also played at the Futures Games with um, that is pitching there now. And I'm pretty good friends with him. And my roommate, me and this kid, he lives in my town. He goes to a different school. He's going to Indiana State. And he's probably going to be my roommate. And me and him, I mean, we're competitive still because we're not on the same team yet. But uh, me and him are pretty close friends. Okay. What's what's the name of this guy in your in your home same hometown? Um, his name is Bryson Carpenter. He uh, he's a senior. Um, he goes to North High School. And North so he's, school. he's in the state of Indiana. Yes. Shoot. Okay. Well, I must. So I must have missed him for Battle of Indiana because I don't think I ever came across his name. I I, I don't know if well, I... he's he he's a really uh, athletic, super athletic. Uh, played all three sports. He never really went to any of the showcases. He kind of just kind of went under the radar, and Anis kind of swept him up. But he is uh, insane athlete. Yeah. So when you do get to that collegiate level, you know, you start playing fall ball here in you know eight nine months or so. Where do you see yourself on the field? I know you're listed as a third baseman and shortstop. Do you see yourself staying on that left side of the field, maybe sticking just the third? In your mindset right now, where do you kind of see yourself these next couple of seasons when it comes to actually playing defense? So uh, my plan is to be a third baseman. Now, play anywhere my freshman, sophomore year on that not good of a team would be, I mean – I'm a corner infield guy, so if that means I'm playing first base or playing third base, um, just being an honor to be out there, really. But I want to play third base, and I will be playing third base by the end of my career, hopefully. So, Yeah. So digging into the hitting side of things, take us through your hitting approach a little bit. So let's say, you know, you're on deck, you're watching the guy in front of you, What's going through your mind, and then you, as you start walking up to that batter's box, you're like, what are you trying to do with each at bat as you step into the batter's box? So my huge thing is staying back. So staying back means staying in my back hip and uh, kind of rotating on that back hip instead of lunging at the ball. Because my huge thing is um, I kind of lunge at the ball sometimes on the off speed and uh, fastballs up. So I tell myself that one cue every time, stay on your back leg and kind of back leg it is what my dad calls it. But uh, that means staying back and um, you produce the most power that way. So that's pretty much my approach because when I would go up there and I would think about one or two, three, four things at once, I would always – think myself to death and I'd strike out. So I always think that one thing in my head is stay back. And then are you a big two strike guy or for the most part, you kind of keep that same mindset, same approach throughout the at bat. So two strikes, I kind of widen out a little bit and I preset, I'm going to preset my back hip and back knee a little bit back in my stance. So I'm already a little bit preloaded so I can be quicker and I don't have that load to get in the way, I can just kind of react because two strikes, I mean, that's the hardest, oh, two hardest count to hit out of. So just to be able to react like that, not really trying to hit the ball or the fence, just trying to hit it in the gap or hit a line drive somewhere. 
Yeah. So you said your dad played a big role when it comes to, you know, your mindset, you know, as you're walking up the batter's box, you know, staying back, that's where you get your most power. But with your dad, you know, playing collegiate baseball, you also have a couple other family members that have played collegiate baseball or, or are coaching. Uh, what are some different ways that, you know, you've uh, picked their brain, whether that's, you know, talking to them at a family dinner or even talking to them in the batting cage, stuff like that. What are some different ways you pick their brains? So my dad, I mean, I can ask him about anything. He's a really good hitting instructor. And when I was younger, of course, I didn't want to listen to him because he's my dad. But now that I realize that he is one of the smartest people that I know about hitting, um, being him being there for me to ask him questions and for him to instruct me for free, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And uh, my uncle who, uh, played got drafted out of high school from West Vigo uh by the Yankees he uh he helped me in those younger days with my hands and getting my hands quick that that's one thing I don't have to worry about so um I usually just pick my dad's brain about some things and pick others about some people about others but I like seeing everybody's opinion I like watching videos and all that stuff. Yeah. So as you've gotten a little bit older, I know you said you're starting to instruct maybe some little kids. Maybe that's something you want to do once you're actually playing careers do come to an end. Have you seen that help your game evolve a little bit? Because I know as I've talked to players in the past, let's say Carter Matheson here at IU, we did a camp over winter mm -hmm. break. And he said like he was learning stuff about his swing as he was teaching younger kids. Um, did Have you kind of seen that play out when you're instructing some of these kids? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I see myself in some of those kids, and I kind of almost coach myself because I know what they're doing wrong, and I don't see it in myself, and then I realize well, I'm doing that same thing. So it's pretty cool being able to instruct those kids and seeing how similar some kids' swings are to yours and how different and how you have to coach them all different and how everybody swings different. It's It's pretty cool. Yeah. So digging into, let's say – you were a scout watching your game, watching you play third base, watching you play first base, watching you in the dugout interacting with teammates and then hitting in the batter's box as well. If you were a scout, what would be a personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself? So a personal scouting report I would write on myself would probably be um, a corner infielder who is – uh, has a really good glove, um, holds the corner well, um, moves well for his size, and a threat in the box. That's probably what I would give myself. Okay. So you kind of dig into maybe your strengths there. If there were a couple things that, you know, you maybe wanted to develop or maybe some things you wanted to work on here these next couple of months before you head to ISU or just, you know, these next couple of years in your career, what would be those couple key things that you're wanting to develop? Um, number one on my list right now would be lateral, uh, lateral speed. So lateral speed would be like break in to go get that ground ball and dive and over the line and throw it across the infield. I need to get that lateral step quicker and really overall explosiveness, um, out of that infielder stance. And I've been working on that pretty religiously lately. And that's the number one goal right now. And as for hitting goes, like I talked about earlier, 
just really staying in that back leg and uh, not coming out of my legs. All right. So I've got one last question that about high school baseball. I kind of forgot about it when we were digging into that. But, you know, with you playing there in Terre Haute, Southern Indiana, I mean, there's a bunch of, you know, power five baseball commits that come out of that area. If you look at, you know, Jasper or mm -hmm. Connor Foley, I know Cameron Tilly's some from somewhere in Southern Indiana as well. Yeah. The schedule that you guys play out each spring, like what does that competition level look like here in Southern Indiana? So last year, um, we were going to head up to uh, North or Indianapolis to play in that tournament they have every year, but ended up getting canceled. Um, but this year we're uh, actually going down spring break. Our first games are in Tennessee and we're going to play some pretty good schools down in Tennessee. And that's, I'm pretty excited for that. And that's going to get us really ready for um, those tough teams around here, like the uh, Northview and uh, um, the teams like the North high schools and the, uh, I'm trying to think. I can't remember their name now. Um, the North High Schools and uh, Castle High Schools, like the – I think that's the one Tilly goes to. Uh, going down to Tennessee like that really gets us prepared for those high competition games. Yeah. So when we were digging into it earlier, when we were talking about the toughest ABs that you've had in your career so far, you mentioned Mitchell Dean, your, your buddy from the Indiana Bulls, same class as you. But who are some mm -hmm. of those other tough ABs that you faced within the state? I know you said DeCanich last year, but what are some of those different pitchers here in the state that you faced who are, you know, were pretty tough ABs? So Dukanich is probably number one right now. And because his stuff was so electric against us, um, he really shut us down. I mean, he walked me my last at bat and then I talked to him after the game and he apologized for walking me, but, uh, I said, it's all good. Um, but he did get me out twice and I walked and he was probably the most impressive arm I've ever faced. And a close second would have to be Luke Hayden, my sophomore year in the sectional championship game. All right. So um, can... Go ahead. So he, he probably had the best curveball, right-handed curveball I've ever faced. Okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, I believe he's projected to be because, like I said, I go to IU. I believe he's projected yeah. to be our Friday or our Saturday night guy. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. I think it's a toss up between him and a senior. Um, but I remember going to a couple midweek games last year and he was starting. And I was like, man, like this freshman is mm -hmm. good. I, I know IU's yeah. freshman class last season, this year's sophomore class was absolutely loaded, you know, with Tibbetts, mm -hmm. Pine, Matheson. Uh, go for yeah. all those different guys. So, I mean, I'm pumped for these next couple of years. Heck, I'm pumped to, you know, go to Terre Haute, watch you guys ball out against each other sometime soon. Uh, yeah. Digging into you know, actually in-state in competition, before the season gets started here this year, new event, hitting Indiana, just, you know, next weekend, Battle of Indiana. What are you looking forward to most of taking part in that competition? You know, having some January competition where you're facing some of the best of the best. What are you looking forward to most for Battle of Indiana? Uh, just, you know, you go to all these showcases and you don't really get to play or hit against any of those guys like that. You just kind of get to see them throw to a catcher and be able to hit against those, the best kids in Indiana. Uh, it's going to be pretty special and it's, uh, going to really open my eyes, see how good some of these younger kids are. Cause you know, I'm the senior, but, um, it's going to be pretty awesome facing those 
uh, highly touted arms like that. Yeah. And have I sent you who you're matching up against? You have not. I don't believe. Okay. So let's 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 look at it right here live on the JKR podcast. And I pulled it up right now. We've got you facing off first AB, Braden Thomas. And then after yeah. that, Bryce Riggs, mm-hmm. um, Brendan Oliver, and then I'm trying to look for it. Caden McCoy, Texas A&M commit. So with those four pitchers that you're facing, maybe take us through, you know, I know it's just thrown at you right now, but do you have maybe approach when you're facing some of those guys or do you even, have you even looked at film of any of those guys before? So knowing now who I'm going to face, I know Thomas, he's a left-handed pitcher. Um, I've always done pretty well off of left-handed pitchers being a right-handed hitter, but uh, I know he's got some good stuff. Um, Bryce Riggs, who's, and my grade, right-hander, I know he's got a good fastball, um, and I plan to see that probably early and up in the count. So, yeah. All right, so digging into my last baseball question here, before we, you know, ended off with my last couple questions, I call them rapid fire, ended off with, you know, every podcast guest. So I know, mm-hmm. I assuming I kind of know the answers to this question, but if who out of everyone that you've you know played for underneath in your career, playing for the Indiana Bulls, you know, learning from your dad, learning from your uncle, if you could choose maybe two to three most influential people within your baseball career, who would those people be, and how they became so influential within your career? So number one would definitely have to be my dad. Um, number two would probably be Bryce Harper because I've watched him since I was he was a rookie and um number three would probably have to be uh my uncle like I said okay all right so digging into my rapid fire questions so digging into the beyond the game of baseball let's show the fans a little bit of Carter Murphy outside of baseball when he's you know outside not even worrying about hitting a baseball at all worrying about the batting cage mm-hmm. whatever so when you're not playing baseball what would be some of those passions that you have beyond the game so, number one is probably fishing. I'm a big fisher. Um, and number two is probably golf. I love golf. So, okay. All right. So, digging into actually when you're on your phone, let's say you're going through your contacts, who would be mm-hmm. the coolest contact that you have in your phone right now? Um. Coolest contact would have to be Nevin Ashley, who played for the Blue Jays for about 11 years. So how'd you get connected with him? Uh, He actually is a part owner with my dad in the hitting facility. Okay. So when you're around a guy like that, you know, who's played 11 major league seasons, I know I've asked you this about your dad and your uncle as well, but Mm -hmm. when you're around a former major league baseball player, how do you kind of go about picking their brain or just building that relationship to gain as much knowledge as possible and evolve your game? Um, just going up and asking them questions. I mean, those guys love being asked questions, um, especially when you have a question about your swing, him being a hitter, um, and him being there as like almost a hitting structure for free is pretty cool. And uh, asking him questions has helped my swing so much in the past few years. It's been pretty awesome. Yeah. So digging into motivations here a little bit. So what is it that, you know, helps you get out of bed, helps you go, you go win the day. What is it just internally that motivates you to go get better? My motivations to go get better would have to be trying to um, make my family proud for sure. 
Okay. So taking that, taking that question just a little bit further. So let's say, you know, you, you continue to just make your family proud, continue to do great things within the game of baseball, just within your life mm-hmm. in general. What does the perfect picture of your life look like 20 years down the road? Everything's going right. What does that perfect picture look like? So 20 years down the road, that perfect picture looks like I played at Indiana State and I end up getting drafted and end up making it to the big show. And then after I'm done, maybe coaching at a college or a junior college and uh, giving my knowledge to other kids. Okay, there we go. So down to my final question here on the JKR podcast, the question I ask everybody to end it off. Obviously you have eight months now before or six, seven, whatever, until you head to, until you head to ISU's campus, you know, maybe start some summer ball with some of your new teammates, whatever it happens to be. But when you do hit NCAA requirements and, you know, graduate from high school, you'll be able to capitalize off your name, image, and likeness. So when that does come up, when that does come about and you do get that opportunity, what would be one dream brand that you would love to endorse once you hit college? That dream brand would have to be Under Armour. I've always worn Under Armour cleats. I am going to be wearing Under Armour my whole college career at Indiana State. It would be awesome to be endorsed by Under Armour. Okay, there you go. Still, still following Bryce Harper's footsteps there. I know he's yeah. an athlete. I know they do some cool – I believe Harper, is he the only guy right now with – his actual own cleat brand. I think maybe Trout does with Nike, but yeah, Trout does, but that's him and Bryce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that doesn't happen very often. Maybe with me being an agent here in the next five, seven years or so, that's my goal. You know, uh, all yeah. the individual player marketing within the game of baseball, you know, let's hope we get more players having their own personal cleats like the NBA does, you know, with, you know, mm-hmm. LeBron's Kobe's KD's all those different shoes. Let's try to make that for major league baseball. Uh, but no, for man, sure. that's all the questions I got for you here on the JKR podcast. Super pumped for you to come on the show. Super pumped, you know, meet you in person here just a couple, I guess, next next weekend uh, for Battle of Indiana. Watch you ball out against some of those other top prospects in the state. I uh, want to wish you the best of luck there at that event. But also this spring, uh, this uh, the rest of your career when you head down to Indiana State as well. Um, so no, just the best of luck there. And no, I really appreciate you coming on the JKR podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, Like I said, I've seen a lot about it, and uh, it's pretty awesome to be on here. I really do appreciate it.